When I play a game with my grandchildren, um, one of the things I do, uh, I, I try to help them choose a particular um, a particular card or a particular way to do something when we play uh, Yahtzee. Uh, Michael likes to play Yahtzee, and it's a, you know, um, you have to pick what you're going to use out of the dice when you roll them because uh, you get two more rolls, and, you know, we try to help them to, uh, you know, that might be a good idea to pick, you know, the three fives because they're not, they're not always easy to get, you know, things like that, and try to get them to do those things and and make a better choice. There was a time where I would have just picked the one, buddy. I'm going to stomp you. Uh, you know, but, you know, the... Um, uh, th- that's what my kids had to go through. But, you know, as grandparents, you learn and you uh, try to help them out a little bit more. Uh, they're just learning, so they, they need to learn some of these things so they can choose better later on. Uh, it's like us when we make choices about about uh, bigger things, particularly when we have a big investment, either financially or emotionally or a big investment of our time. Um, we look for information. You know, we, we, we might get online and start looking stuff up or, you know, we ask other people, we check reviews, we look for ratings on what it is, you know, what, what, whether it's a, a car we want to buy or flooring we want to put down or I've been talking to a lot of different people about what kind of grass seed to plant, you know, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest some time in this and I, I want it to kind of, uh, I want to choose well, you know, we want to uh, choose well and we want to make a choice that will be, uh, that we can trust, that we'll be uh, pleased with. Uh, today we're going to look at making a wise choice as we go through life. And uh, it's really looking at making a choice of how we're going to do life. That's what we're talking about this morning. That's what we're going to be looking at. Making a, a, a wise choice on how we do life. Choosing the mode that will help us in every situation, really. And it will help us face every obstacle. It'll help us uh, avoid mediocrity. It will guide us to the best life always. Now, that's quite a promise, but it's also a true one. Let's pray. We'll turn to our passage after that, and you'll see, uh, I hope you'll see, uh, while we say that. Father, um, we made a choice to be here this morning. It's just an example of choices we make. Some we don't even think about, some we just do, and, and we, we kind of get on with life. Uh, what we want to do, though, is make a choice that will help us to be wise in all of life. And how can we, how can we do that, Father? We segment our decisions, we segment our activities. But you, Father, should be um, the one that is predominant in all of them, how we go about doing that. I, I pray you would guide our thoughts this morning as we look into your word, as we think of what a difference it makes that Jesus Christ is alive, what a difference it makes that we have a risen Savior, what difference it makes that we have this opportunity to have a real relationship with you, not just something that is going to be future, not something that's tied, that is just set back in the past, but something that is alive and real right now every moment as we go through life and living. Uh, so guide our thoughts and, again, make your word very real to each and every situation that is here. You know them. You know the details. You know what is needed. So touch hearts as only you can do, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. It's on page 1081 in the Pew Bible. Uh, if you're, uh, whatever translation you're using, I'm going to read 
from the Holman Christian Standard. And, um, you know, if that confuses you a little bit, then grab the Pew Bible. Uh, we're going to read through this, and um, I think it's important. We, uh, we've been, those of you who haven't been here, uh, we've been going through uh, the book of Philippians, and when we got to this part, I just kind of said a couple things about it. We skipped over it, went on, now we're backing up. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to begin with verse 5. So follow along. It says, Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, these verses are some that are, this is one of the passages that is most studied in Scripture by theologians and by those who are um, trying to get a better handle uh, on God. And they, they look at this and they begin to look and think and take things apart. Now, if you notice, in some of the translations, uh, these these verses, and it is in Holman Christian Standard, are laid out just a little bit differently. They're laid out uh, not in a paragraph form, in kind of a, a, a verse form. Some of you may have a study Bible, and there might be a note down in the bottom of your study Bible saying that these are the, that these verses that they feel perhaps that this was an early hymn, or maybe even a confession of faith uh, that was there. Um, the translations are kind of divided on that. Um, I think if we focus on that, it really misses the point of Scripture, of, of the inspiration of Scripture. I believe in the inspiration of Scripture, meaning that God is the one who oversaw the writing of, of Scripture to really to what was recorded, the very words that were recorded even. So the fact that whether this was a hymn or not, or an early confession of the church or not, is really irrelevant it's irrelevant to the reality that God thought that these were some words that we needed to hear and some words that we needed to be able to grasp a hold of. And so he made sure that Paul included them in his letter to the Philippians. Whether they were original words with him or whether they weren't is really irrelevant. That's, that's not the point at all. The point is that God saw this and saw it as important to include these words in the letter to the Philippians. Verse 5 really kind of lays out the whole gist for us. The whole point here is to choose to be like Christ. There's, you know, that, that's the main point of all we're looking at today. Choose to be like Christ. If you're going to make a, if you're going to make the, the, the choice that's going to make a difference in every situation is choose to be like Christ. You know, there's a, some of you have heard before and some have even a little bracelet, you know, about what would Jesus do. I, I think that, that that's a nice thing, you know. What would he do? Also, think what did, what did he do? Not you know what would he do, but what did he do? To be able to know that we can we can do exactly what he's talking about here, you know, making your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Choose to be like Christ, and he goes on, he lays that out 
But that is what's going to help us in every situation, the mode that will be there. It's going to help us face every obstacle. It's going to help us avoid mediocrity. It's going to guide us in the best way of life always. Now, that's not really earth-shattering news, but it's still very true. Choose to be like Christ. Always. Now, notice what it says in verse 5. It says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Make attitude. What's divided here in English is really one word, uh, and it's one word that that comes together. It has the the understanding of to, to be of the same mind, to direct one's mind to a thing. You know that he, what he's, you know, the, pulling down this focus here is what he's saying. You know, pull this focus, exercise, you know, your mind to to interest yourself in that of Christ Jesus. He says, you know, to you're, you're going to choose to bring to your own mind. You're going to choose to bring your own mind in your own mind in line with Jesus. He says, make a choice to do that. Make a choice to bring your mind, your thinking, your attitude in line, he says, with that, you know, with, with that of, of Jesus Christ. That is to be that of Christ, which means really that we value what Jesus values. If you are, if you are making your attitude that of Christ, you are going to value what Jesus values. This is what he's telling us here. And then Paul goes on and he begins to tell us what this looks like. He tells us, you know, the, the whole the whole calling of being unified, humble, unselfish in relationships with one another. Have this mind in you. You know, choose that you are going to be like Christ. Choose that you are going to direct your mind to value what God values, to value what Jesus values. Choose that that's going to be a part of all you do. And he goes on and explains to us, he says, who existed in the form of God. That's an interesting phrase, really. And this is part of where, you know, they, they dig in and get into this a little bit more. That whole word form is that which makes something what it is. It's that inner essence, the underlying reality. It's more than just the appearance. It's the underlying reality, you know, uh, the nature, the essential forms. It's that which makes something what it is. What he's saying is that which makes Jesus what he is, is God. He is God is what he's saying here. There's no question that that's how it's laid out in the scripture. That he is God. He shares God's nature. He shares God's essence. He is God. His fundamental nature is God. He is not another God. It's not another God. He is, you know, not a rival to God. He's not in competition with God the Father. They are one God together and individually. That's hard for us to grasp. But when it talks about the Trinity and, you know, God, the the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's one God. Together they're one God, individually they are one God. And this is what he's talking about, that Jesus was God. He's not just part of God. He is not another manifestation of God. He is God. He existed as God. Notice what it said. Yet he didn't consider that equality with God, as it's worded in the Holman Christian Standard, as something to be used for his own advantage. Some translations say that they, he did not count equality with God as something 
to be grasped. That word that, that is translated something to be grasped, it means to be seized, to be held onto. In the context, it has the meaning, just what you see in the Holman Christian Standard, that he didn't consider that something to be used for his own advantage. It wasn't something that he was going, that he was, that was going to push there. He didn't push for his own rights as God. You know, we live in a society and in a time in which we push for our own rights to every, to every degree that we can. And here it says that, you know, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't push for his own rights as God. He chose not to use them for his own advantage. Instead, he used them for our advantage. For our advantage, he chose not, he chose not that being God was not something to be used for his own advantage so that it could be used for us. Jesus came to give his life as a payment for our sin. That's why he came to this earth to give his life for a payment for our sin, to live a life that glorified God, to pay for our sin as the only holy sacrifice that could ever be there. So he chose not to use his divinity to his own advantage because we needed a redeemer to be redeemed from our sin. Jesus Christ did not need that. We needed that. He didn't do this because it was something he needed. He did it because it was something we needed. Because we need a savior, because we need to be forgiven, because we're the ones, we're the ones who, who would, who would cross God. We're the ones who had walked away from God. And he did this so that we could have life and forgiveness. So when we think of choosing to be like Christ, choose to think of others' needs, not your own rights. No, choose to think of others' needs, not your own right. This is what Jesus Christ chose to do. Christ Jesus t- chose to think of our needs, not his own rights. So when you choose to be like Christ, you will choose to think of others and not be stopped because of what you may deserve. But rather, you will be thinking of what they need. This is what Jesus did. He didn't think about what he deserved. He thought about what we need and our needs. It's laid out a little bit more for us there in verses 7 and 8. It says, instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. When he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now, the word form here is the same word he uses verse 6 and that which makes something what it is that which makes it makes it what it is before the incarnation before Jesus coming to this earth in a form of a man he existed in the form of God as God in every way and notice here you know that verse says that he emptied himself he emptied himself he did not cease to be God it never says that he ceased to be God. It doesn't say that he that he set aside being God. He chose to limit the use of his rights, of his position, of his power as God. He emptied himself. He it, it, he neutralized, if you will, the activity that the, the the powers that he had a right to. I like the way the Amplified Bible words this verse. It says, he emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving them up, giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity. 
He still was God. He remained God. In Matthew, when they're talking about the coming of the Messiah, it says, see, the virgin will become pregnant and will give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God is with us. Not somebody else, not a lesser being, but God himself is with us. He took on the nature and the limitations of humanity. Now, when we're thinking of choosing to be, you know, choosing to, to be like Christ and choosing to be, you know, choosing, uh, you know, to be like him, we can get pretty full of ourselves sometimes. You know, either by, by either our own expectations or other people's expectations or other people's comments. And, you know, we can, we can, now, as I was reading this and I was thinking, you know, if I'm going to take on the attitude of Christ, I'm first going to have to take out the trash. You know, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna choose to be like Christ, then first I'm gonna have to take out the trash. I'm gonna have to empty myself of everything that is not in line with God in my life. Whatever is not in line with God in my life needs to be set aside, needs to be done away with, needs to not be a part of it if I'm going to choose to be like Christ. Now, when coming as a man, Jesus did not cease to be God. He willingly surrendered the use of his rights as God. And notice what it says. He took on the form of a slave, literally a bond servant, one who pledges himself to the betterment of another, one who gives himself over in service and in all he's doing and in all he's focusing on for the betterment of the one to whom he's giving himself. And it says he came as this slave, as this bond servant, one who works solely for the good and the profit of another without any regard for himself. Because again, if he had regard for himself, he wouldn't go to the cross. Why should he go to the cross if he has regard for himself? If what he's putting forth is his own rights, if what he's putting forth is really even what he deserves, he didn't deserve to die on the cross at all. So what he's doing is he set those aside and he, what he, he's, we prefer to demand our own rights. Jesus didn't demand his own rights. Rather, he surrendered his rights. He laid his rights aside. Now, if we're going to choose to be like Christ, then what we're going to do is we're going to choose to serve through sacrifice. To serve through sacrifice. He humbles himself. He humbles himself. He put us first to the point of death. Literally to the point of death. As he died on the cross, he put himself aside to the point of death, not figuratively, but literally, not just the willingness to die, but the reality of dying. Not just saying, well, we could do this, but saying, I am doing this. Our sin needed to be paid for. Our sin. Our sin, our coming against God and our doing our own thing and putting ourselves first and, you know, and, and having all sorts of other gods before him needed to be remedied, needed to be dealt with, and they needed to be paid for. If we had to pay with our own life, we would lose what we hope to gain. If we had to pay for our own sin, we would lose what we hope to gain. This is not a, a, a good outweighs the bad thing. It is not, well, you know, I, I know I've, I, some people will say, you know, I know I've sinned and I know I've done that, but you know what, I've done some, I've done some other things. I've done some good things. And, and um, I'll just keep doing some good things and, and we'll be okay. That's not the point at all. 
because that sin remains. You see, we haven't, we haven't, you, you will never outweigh the sin. You will never, you will never uh, undo that sin. That sin needs to be taken care of and that sin needs to be paid for. And this is what Jesus did for us so that we could have life if we had to pay for it. The wages of sin is death, scripture says, and that hasn't changed. The wages of sin is still death. So if you want to pay for it yourself, that means you die, dying, being separated from God. And that's not what we need. What we need is to be together with God. And so this is what Jesus did. He came and he set aside his rights and his privileges. You know, as God, he came as a man, gave his life on the cross for our sins so that we could receive the forgiveness we need. He did this for us. He served through his sacrifice, gave us the forgiveness we need, and emptied himself and dying for our sin. But that wasn't the end. Look at verse 9 again. He says, For this reason God highly exalted him, gave him the name that is above every name, <coughs> so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God highly exalted him, he says. That God highly exalted him. What does that mean? It means he became the visible focus of the Godhead, the visible focus of the triune God. Before this, you know, people, you know, realize, and God was, you know, God was just a spirit and, and nothing, nothing really to relate to. And here Jesus then becomes the visible, that, that, that visible entity of the Godhead. The one who is, who is the, the most visible focus of the Godhead. And it says, and he gave him a name. That is above every name. That name that is above every name. Again, pulling back into his birth in Matthew, where we're told that it says uh, that she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Now, to us, we lose the whole meaning of this a little bit. Because what does your name mean? Well, my name means that my parents liked this name. I mean, for most of us, that's what it is. It means my parents liked this name or somebody else in the family had this name and we're passing it on or we're handing it down and it means something. But to them, the name meant something a lot more than it means to us. And so when they were giving him the name Jesus, uh, that was, that, that, that's the, 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 the uh, uh, Greek equivalent of the Hebrew, you know, Joshua, that, that the Lord saves, Yahweh saves. So when he's giving him the name and you know that they're going to you give him the name Jesus, why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. To them, that was almost redundantly repetitive, you see. That he's going to be named Jesus because he's going to give. Jesus Christ is the dividing point of all humanity. The dividing point of all humanity. It does not matter what you think of hot dogs, Legos, or Donald Trump. Doesn't mean that doesn't matter a bit. It does matter what you think of Jesus Christ. What each person, what each and every single person thinks of Jesus Christ is the dividing point of all humanity. That is, that is what matters. That, that is, that is the, the make or break decision. Three phases stick out in, in verse 10 that we sometimes focus on and get a little hung up on, you know, where it says that, it draws a lot of speculation from some people. Those who are heaven, those who are in heaven and on the earth, 
and under the earth. And we begin to divide these and we begin to say, now what does that mean? Those who are in heaven, well, by golly, that must be the angels. Those who are on earth, well, then that must be those who are under the earth. And, and we begin to assign things to this. Yeah, again, if you have a study Bible there, you may have some notes in your study Bible that tell you about what all of these things are. But again, I think when you begin to focus on that, you are missing the reality of what matters here. I don't think it matters one bit what specific entities he's talking about. I don't think that matters one bit. I'm not, you know, I'm not even convinced that he's talking about spe- specific creatures or spirits or beings. When you look at this, what you see, I, I, I don't think it's on, I don't think it's on any particular thing at all not only these creatures or beings but even even locations heaven earth under the earth i think our attention should be drawn to the word every not to these you know those in heaven those on earth those under the earth i think our attention should be drawn to that word every because i think that's the whole thrust here the point is that all creation will acknowledge jesus as god and savior all creation, all will recognize, all will, uh, will acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is not that everyone will be saved. If you think this is what it's saying, you're wrong. That's not what it's saying at all. What it's saying is all creation will acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, some to their condemnation. For rejecting him. They will admit it, but by their admission, it will be to their own condemnation for rejecting him as God and Savior. The others, it will be to their commendation for coming into a relationship of faith with him. The dividing point of all humanity, the dividing point of everything is what you do with Jesus Christ. What you think of Jesus Christ. And when everyone is going to get to that point where everyone will admit, everyone will acknowledge him. That every name, every knee, every tongue. All things in all creation will acknowledge him. Some to their condemnation because they rejected him. He's the dividing point. Our strength for living comes from his place of exaltation. We see the results that we should focus on at the end of verse 11, where it says that it's to the glory of God the Father. It's to the glory of God the Father. Jesus and the Father are so united that to worship Jesus brings glory to the Father. One God and three persons. And to worship Jesus brings glory to the Father. The Father, They are that three in one. So to choose to live like Jesus, we must also choose to glorify God. We must choose to glorify God. Making a wise choice as we go through life, making a choice of how we're going to do life, choosing the mode that will help you in every situation help you face every obstacle, help you avoid mediocrity, help and guide you to the best life always. Quite a promise, but it's true. Choose to be like Christ. Live according to the resources that Jesus offers us, makes available to us. Choose to think of others. Choose to serve through sacrifice. Choose to glorify God. It does matter 
what you think of Jesus. Because at the end of that verse, did you notice what it says? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Is Lord. That one to whom we pledge our life to. That one to whom we give our life to. That one to whom that we are going to focus all of our attention and all of our being on. That we are going to be like Christ. That recognizing why? Because he is Lord. The one who has the right. The one who has given his life. The one through whom we have forgiveness. And you choose to be like Christ. That he's Lord. Not just Savior that we've pushed off into the back. Not just God that we've put into our pocket for when we need it. But that he is Lord who directs all of our life and all of our, all of our being, all of our doing, all of that we are. And that when we find those ways and those times and those places in which we have chosen to do something else that we then set aside that, uh, th- those, those other choices and we once again to choose to be like him. Why? Because he is Lord. And living for him. You want to live a life that makes a difference, choose. Choose to be like Jesus Christ. Giving your life to him. Living with him as Lord. Let's pray.